back in the day, there were probably 10 to 12 to 15 hijackings a day of tractor trailers of high value loads. And, uh, you know, the mafia back in those days, the mafia controlled everything. Nothing moved in New York City without one of the five families controlling it. Welcome back to another episode of Cold Red. I'm Ray Carr. I'm a former criminal profile coordinator with the Philadelphia FBI. Uh, and I was responsible for profiling dozens of serial crimes over my career and capturing the Friday night bank robber after 30 years on the run. And with me, as always, is Jim Fitz Fitzgerald. Hey, James R. Fitzgerald here, Fitz for short. I'm a former Ben Salem police detective sergeant at Suburban Philly. Joined the FBI in 1987, went to New York City for seven years, transferred to Quantico as a supervisory special agent and a criminal profiler, later a forensic linguist, helped catch the Unabomber, DC Sniper, and a few other cases uh, over the years. Welcome back to another episode of Cold Red. Our guest today is retired FBI agent Joseph Pistone. Joe is well known for his groundbreaking undercover work in organized crime and the author of two books, The Way of the Wise Guy and Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia which was made into a feature film starring Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Well, Hi, thank, Joe. You for, thank you for having me. You know, getting into the mafia was like, whoa, you know, uh, nobody's done this before. Uh, so we just kept, kept extending it. Let's talk about that a minute. How did that come about? How did that even that idea come up where he said, you know what, Joe, we want you to penetrate the banana crime family. How, how did that even come about? And how well, did you build your backstory? Well, I had a, I had a, uh, when I say old timer, you know, he was uh, supervised by the name of Guy Barato. He was the head of the uh, supervising a truck squad, a New Yorker, had done undercover work. Uh, and uh, there were, uh, back in the day, there were probably 10 to 12 to 15 hijackings a day of tractor trailers of high value loads. And, uh, you know, the mafia back in those days, the mafia controlled everything. Nothing moved in New York City without one of the five families controlling it. Uh, <clears throat> so the idea was actually. The idea was to uh, attempt to infiltrate the fences that were fencing the stuff, the commodities. Uh, so you know we had we had locations, bars, and restaurants uh, that we knew that they hung out in, and the idea was basically to <clears throat> hit the you know hit the street and uh, uh, go to these places and 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 get my face seen. Uh, and it had to be a seven day a week job because, you know, you can't work five days a week and, you know, this guy's never around on weekends, you know, if, if you do, uh, get lucky enough to infiltrate. So, and we didn't do anything back then with a contact. I went and, and, uh, you know, I had, I, I had my birth certificate, uh, uh, from, and social security card, you know, it, in Donnie Brasco, uh, and I just went and took took the driver's test, get, get my New York 
get my New York license in Donnie Brasco. Uh, I went and opened a bank account, and that that that's a that's a that's a a story. I I go to this bank to you know just get get a checking account, and uh, they they said you know where have you banked before? Well, I I hadn't banked anywhere under Donnie Brasco before, uh, and I said uh, I don't have any other banking references, and. They said, well, you know, we need to have other banking references. And I said, well, I don't have one. Uh, and they said, well, we can't open it up. So I said, well, let me talk to the manager. So the manager comes over and, you know, what's the problem? So I said, I'm trying to open a, up a checking account. And the uh, young lady here says, I can't because I can't provide prior banking information. And they said, well, that's, that's our rule. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, I just got out of jail. Mm -hmm. I said, you're going to hold that against me? I did my time. I served my time. I'm trying to go straight. And now you want to deny me, uh, you know, uh, a checking account? I said, I got money here to, you know, to open it. And I guess the guy figures, well, we don't want any, any trouble here with, you know, I don't know if it was the bank's rule or who, but. I got a checking account <laughs> that way. That's amazing. And That's I, you know, I went, I went and uh, <clears throat> rented my own apartment. We didn't do anything with contacts, none at all. I went uh, rented an apartment. I was on ninety second and third at Rupert Towers. Uh, went out and bought a car, uh, cash for the car. Uh, <clears throat> So that's 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 how I started, and I moved into the apartment, moved out of my residence, moved into a in, into the apartment, and just start hitting these different uh, locations. Uh, but again, you know, and this was a cold a cold entry. We didn't have any informant introduce me to anybody. It was just uh, get seen, hopefully get in conversation with people, and uh, and, and and see if you can make any progress. Uh, I did this for maybe five, six months. <laughs> the only conversation was, you know, what, what, what I was going to eat and, uh, and a, my bottle of Heineken, that was my conversation with anybody in any of the joints, because, you know, you don't walk into a joint where the, where the gangsters are at hangouts. Hey, I'm Donnie Brasco. And <clears throat> I was a jewel thief and, you know, and you have to have a profession because, you know, why does any any criminal element, any criminal organization need you if you don't have a profession? And a money-making profession. That's exactly right. And you, you don't want one of violence uh, because you're not allowed to be in, get involved in violence. And, and plus the fact, uh, if it is one of violence, you know, you can't go in and say you're a leg breaker or you're, you know, you're a stick-up man or whatever, because <clears throat> if you're lucky enough to infiltrate, that's what that's what they're going to use you for. So uh, it, it was a jewel thief. And that's another thing, too. Whatever you say your profession is, you better know it. So I went to school, learned about diamonds, precious gems, learned all about uh, uh, being a jewel thief, and uh, went for there. And like I say, after about five, maybe six months, I was lucky enough to, to, to get in a conversation with, uh, with a bartender uh, in this place I always hung out in. 
and we became friendly. And he first he introduced me to a Columbo's, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I hung out with the Columbo's for for a few months. And this was a very active, uh, very active crew. In fact, they were hijackers. So I by, I bypassed the fences and went went right to the wise guys. Uh, so that's Joe establishing first of all a fence for some of our audience who may not know is kind of a middleman usually a guy that he will take stolen material from whoever the thieves are it's not always the, the thieves rarely are the ones selling what they steal they turn it over to a fence it could be auto parts could be you know high, uh, stereo equipment of course it could be drugs and uh, and so you were getting in with those guys to establish your credibility were you buying stuff from these fences or were you selling stuff to them that, of course, you got from the bureau was contraband, but you could come I, in and I sell would, it to them? Once I infiltrated, I was selling. You know, I would get uh, diamonds. I would get watches. I would get other uh, jewelry from the bureau. <clears throat> and, you know, hey, I just, you know, you didn't have to say, you, you know, I got it in a heist because once it became established that I was a jewel thief, where else would I get it? You know, when you sell it at the uh, swag prices, so uh, they know that uh, that that uh, you're a jewel thief. So yeah, basically, now I did buy some stuff, like you know, you buy stuff, and uh, for the reason I, you know, I think I can get rid of this uh, uptown, downtown, or wherever. But mostly, uh, mostly you sold it. Uh, yeah. So. While you're getting involved, what's what's your real first contact with anybody that's a made member of one of the crime families? What's your what's your real first contact? Well, the the first contact was 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 in this one bar I used to hang out in, and actually was four or five blocks from my apartment, and uh, uh, the, the contact was with. Uh, you, and that's another thing too. You have to know your you have to know your target group. You got to know your who you're going against. You have to know everything about them. Uh, you should know if they have any rules, regulations, uh, and you know the, the mafia does. The mafia has some rules that will get you killed, and they got other rules that uh, that will uh, <clears throat> just you know not show you any respect. And some of the rules of the mafia. Uh, that that'll get you killed is you know if they think you're an informant they think you're a snitch uh stealing money from the family that'll get you killed uh <clears throat> disrespecting somebody above you in other words it, 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 if if you get into an argument with a made guy a made guy is somebody that's been officially inducted into a particular mafia family if you get into an argument with him you can't insult him in front of other people uh, during that argument. If you do, ins and you're not a, and you're not a made guy, uh, if you do insult him, uh, he has the he has the right to you know to do do with you what he wants. And another another rule that definitely get you killed is you, you can't lay your hands on a made guy. You get in an argument with a made guy, and you're not a made guy. Uh, and you physically uh, handle them, uh, you're going to get killed. 
and and you, you might even uh, get killed if you're <laughs> if you're a made guy. It depends on who who you're messing with. And another rule is you don't uh, you don't fool around with a wise guy, made guys, uh, wife, daughter, or girlfriend. Uh, that'll get you killed. So you know before you go undercover, you should you should study your target group. And that's another thing most undercovers don't do. They don't study their target group. They don't know, you know, all the ins and outs of the organization. Uh, but you should, because if you if you know, it'll help you infiltrate, and more importantly, it'll it'll keep you alive while you're in there. Well, <clears throat> in 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 this one place I was hanging out, and it was it actually was a Lucchese, and I used to stop in there a lot because it was. Like I say, four or five blocks from my house. And it was a place we knew that the uh, Lucchese guys hung out in. And they used to come in there, I don't remember, Wednesday or Thursday, and have dinner <clears throat> with their girlfriends. After a couple times, and, and I would always sit at the bar. After a couple times, I'd note, uh, I, I come in there one night, and <clears throat> one guy is missing, but uh, the girl that, that, that was uh, was with him was there uh and uh <clears throat> during the course of the evening she gets up and goes to the ladies room and she comes back and she stops and she says hello to me and you know not want to disrespect anybody i say hello well <clears throat> when she goes back to the table i motion to the bartender to come over now i never talked to this guy ex except order and you know ordering my food and i said to him uh and i don't call him by his name i know his name but i was never introduced to him so i don't call him by his name i said uh <clears throat> i want to go on record and that's a mob term i want to go on record i did not ask that young lady to stop and have any conversation with me and he just nods his head and <clears throat> well this happens like three or four more times and every time i say that to him uh, and then after about the fourth time, he says, Hey, look, he said, <clears throat> uh, if you want to talk to her, you can talk to her. You know, her boyfriend went bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> as, as I, I told Ray, he didn't go, he didn't go to Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> no, that means something else in mob world. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> now the guy, what does the guy know? He knows hey, this guy's a street guy, you know, he knows enough not to get into conversation. He knows enough to to tell me every, you know, <clears throat> that, you know, he, he wants to go on record. Uh, so then he finally starts talking to me. And then the next time I come in, he introduces himself. He says, hey, he says, I'm Charlie. And I said, I'm Donnie. That's all I tell him, I'm Donnie. Because, you know, these guys, they don't introduce themselves like normal people. They don't use their last names. They use their first name or they use their nickname. Uh, so that's another thing that he knows. He's, you know, hey, this guy, you know, the guy's the street guy. He knows what the hell's going on. And then, uh, then another time, you know, he says, you like to gamble? I say, yeah. He says, well, when I close up, I'm going to an after hours joint. Uh, you want to go? So I said, yes. Yeah. So that's, that started the ball rolling. Uh, <clears throat> he doesn't introduce me to anybody, but. I'm with him, so nobody questions me. But he d never introduces me to anybody. But I, I know there's guys from all the families. It was a, it was a, 
uh, an after-hours joint that was run by uh, the five families, and each family had a representative there. Uh, and then I guess I guess at the end of the night they divvy, you know they divvied up to take it amongst themselves, uh, amongst the families anyway. Uh, <clears throat> so after a couple of weeks, you know, we're not we're not discussing anything, nothing illegal, nothing. But I bring in a packet of diamonds, I give it to him, and I say, Charlie, I need X amount of money for this this envelope. He takes the envelope, puts it in his pocket. A couple of weeks goes by. He, finally, he said, I come in one night. He says, hey, Donnie, somebody left this this uh, this envelope for you. I take the envelope, put it in my sport coat, and, uh, and that's it. Now, we go to the we go to the card game, and now he's introducing me as Don the Jeweler. I never told him I was a jewel thief, but I give him a packet of diamonds and, and the prices, and, you know, like I went to Tiffany's and bought them, you know. Uh, so now guys are talking to me, and, and uh, <clears throat> one of the first guys was a guy from the Columbos, a uh, guy by the name of Jilly, and uh, he had a a club uh, out in uh, Brooklyn. And when I say a club, a social club, it was actually a store where he sold his swag, all the swag clothes. And he invited me out. So I went out and hung out, uh, went out and hung out with them for a couple months and was gathering all kind of intelligence information on, uh, and he's introducing me to, you know, guys in the Colombo family. Uh, so that's how it started. The first family was actually the Colombos. Yeah. Joe, this would be a good place, real quick, for our audience again, who maybe aren't mobsters <laughs> or maybe don't know all that much. New York, for a hundred years now, maybe longer, has been divided up and controlled by five families: Gambino, Lucchese, Genovese, Bonanno, and Columba. They have different turfs, right? They have Correct. different um, uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, aspects in which they're involved: hijacking drugs prostitution, gambling, right? And they pretty much yeah. follow the rules most of the time, and yeah. uh, there is not too many internecine wars between them. Is that how you would explain it? Yeah, it, it, that's that's perfect way to explain it. And and uh, they 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 are divided up into in sections that they can that they can conduct illegal business. And one one family can't go into another family's territory to conduct illegal business without the permission of the family that runs that territory or owns that territory but yeah and it's the excuse me it's the way it was across the country in you know most of the other cities like chicago had one family detroit one family uh kansas city uh florida philadelphia uh, philadelphia and you 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 can't go in you know even to another state uh, without that family's permission to conduct an illegal activity, yeah, I mean that's pretty much the way it uh, it they, they operate, and they still operate that way today. From what I uh, I know, is you know the territories, but New York New York is the hub. You know Buffalo. Uh, they even you know the Bonanos even have a family up in uh, Canada, part of their family up in uh, uh, up in uh, Montreal. Uh, so uh, they were strong back in the day. And, you know, there wasn't anything that moved in the country 
that they didn't get a piece of, nothing. Uh, today, I would say since probably what, uh, the 90s, the late 90s, you know, uh, they're just another organized crime group involved in everything they were involved in, but they don't control the country like they once did. They don't control the, you know, the unions like they did. They don't control uh, politicians like they did, law enforcement like like they used to. Uh, they're just another organized well, crime family. Well, Joe, I know you know other groups have come in and done that. We can save that for some other podcast. <laughs> but was yeah. the Italian mafia had that control for maybe 100 years. Yeah, other yeah. groups now have kind of taken over in some ways. And, you know, it's, these other groups are more dangerous than, than, than the American mafia. Right? You know, one thing about, you know, I, I found out is, yeah, they kill, but they kill their own. Yeah. You know, the American mafia is not out killing citizens, you know. Right. Uh, right. It's true. They're killing somebody. If, you know, if, if it's a mob hit, you know, that individual was involved with them. He was either a member or an individual that was doing illegal activities with them. And, and tried to screw them in some way. Uh, that's the only saving grace about the American mafia is that the, you know, they're not out looking to kill citizens like these other groups. Not that they're out looking to kill citizens, but if they're looking, you know, if they're looking to whack somebody and that person's in the, in the restaurant, they'll go in and take out any, anybody they can just to get to that one person. With the American mafia, you know, that, that wasn't their style. And they wouldn't mess with law enforcement either. There was kind of a code. We wouldn't shoot and kill them. They don't yeah. shoot and kill us. Maybe back in the Capone days, you know, and, and those guys yeah. in the Chicago but things. The but, modern, when I say modern right. times, correct. Yeah. When, Joe, when did you realize that uh, that you were in? I know Charlie introduced you to some people, but when did you realize? And I know there's some things that came out, but when did you really realize, hey, this is really happening. Well, after uh, I got into a physical confrontation with with the two guys in the Colombo family, and I knew I had to get out of there uh, because it was actually a, a, a physical confrontation. Uh, but at the at the at, at the card game, I met a guy by the name of Tony Mira, who was a Bonanno guy, and this guy was the meanest guy that. I mean, this guy was stone cold killer and just mean. Uh, so I, I start hanging out with him, and he started introducing me to the Bananos, and then I knew that uh, man, this, this is the real McCoy, you know. Uh, and then he went. He he had just gone out of the can, was out of the can for maybe six eight months, and then he went back. And uh, I started hanging out with the Lefty Ruggiero, who was a Bonanno guy. And, you know, then I started meeting captains and, and, and uh, other individuals that, you know, that, that had some position in the family. Uh, and Ruggiero, our, our boss at the time, was a guy by the name of Mike Sabella. And the way it works is uh, if you... It, 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 you're an, before you become a maid guy, you're an associate. But in order to become a maid guy, you you, you got to be white, male, and Italian. You know, it's not an equal opportunity uh, organization, and they're not, and they're not woke. You know, <laughs> if you're not white, male, and Italian, you're not getting and in full Italian, way. right? Full Italian. Yeah, into a, into a, a mafia family. Uh, 
And what happens is if you are and they think you're a good earner, then uh, the, the, the guy that you're with, like Ruggiero was a made guy. You know, he, he went to his captain who was Mike Sabello and said, hey, I'm claiming Donnie. Now I'm, I'm with the Bananos. And that, that's when it, it, you know, that's when it, whoa, this is, this stuff is real now, you know. Uh, and what that means is you can't do business with any other family without the permission of the, of the Bananos. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, let me ask you this. During your time working undercover in the Bonanno family, was there ever a time that you thought you were going to die? Well, yeah, that the, the, the more so with the well, yeah, <laughs> but with the Columbos, <clears throat> when you know I had the beef with the with those two guys, we were locked in a room, and it. it, it it, it's a long story, but it comes over me not uh, telling them that you know they they couldn't they couldn't do two robberies, uh, so they you know they were kind of ticked. So we go into the they they call for a, a sit down, and we go into the back room and they lock the door and they put a gun on the table and, uh, and tell me if you know. If, if you don't, if Frankie and, and, and Patsy were the two guys, if you don't convince us uh, that you're such a good thief that Jilly says you are, the only way you're going out of here rolled in a rug, rolled up in that rug. Uh, and that, that, that confrontation took about probably four and a half, five hours before they, they closed it down. Jilly, you know, closed it down. But these the two problem, made guys? Were they both made guys? Made guy. One guy was, and one guy wasn't. Uh, but now, you know, I, I, I'm in the jam here because uh, I can't make nice with these guys. Because, and and and, and again, when, when you're in this type of situation, you got to maintain your respect and your credibility. So if I make nice, I lose both. I lose both. And if you lose your respect on the street, you know, you you're dead. Uh, and and in this situation, the only thing they understand is a is, is a confrontation. It's not a verbal. It's 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 a physical confrontation. So I sucker punched the, the the guy that wasn't a made guy. I hit him. We get into a fight, and the other guys, you know, the made guys hit me, but I can't do anything to him because he's a made guy. Uh, but I lay it pretty good on the on the other guy, and then they break it up. But then, and then I knew. Look, you know, I can't come back here anymore. And and I I explained it to Jilly, and he understands. And that's that's when I start hanging out uh, uh, downtown with with uh, Tony Bear and the Bananos. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and there, go ahead. With, and you know, the the stories that you know. I mean, it, it, there's a lot that goes on, and and. You know, as I mentioned the other day, uh, a, a, another first that we had was, you know, <clears throat> I was able to marry up two two mafia families, a mafia family, the Bananos with the Balistreris in Milwaukee, was able to form a, a marriage to, to, to do business together. And I was able to form a marriage between the Bananos and Santo Traficante, the boss 
of Florida to do illegal business together. I mean, it's like, you know, who does that? I mean, and and if you know anything about the mafia, you know, uh, you don't get to sit down with a boss unless unless you're you're on the end. And I'm sitting down with two bosses with Sonny. By that time, my captain was Sonny Black, not Latano, uh, out in Brooklyn because they had killed Carmine Galenti, who was the boss. Uh, so they they re reshifted the uh, the crews around and Lefty and I get put under Sonny Black out in out in Brooklyn. Uh, Joe, was that the famous hit in in Little Italy in the restaurant? When they took Galante yeah. out, was that him? Yeah, yeah. I was at uh, Joe and Mary's restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Front page in New York Post. Actually, yeah, it was actually in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, uh, yeah, and then, you know, th those two cases, I mean, like I say, you, you, this case was was instrumental in, in the whole taking down of the mob. I mean, you know, Rudy Giuliani was the AUSA. I mean, was the USA. He didn't, uh, uh, I think John Martin, I think, started out as the USA, and then he became a federal judge that Rudy came in, and uh, he was the United States attorney that, you know, that, that really turned up the, uh, the screws to the mob. Uh, but this was, you know, th this was the catalyst. Uh, every mafia case after that had information from our case, you know, in their indictments, in their affidavits. Uh, uh, we identified the Sicilians in, in the Bonanno family. Uh, the pizza, the pizza connection case, biggest mm -hmm. uh, at that time, the biggest drug uh, case going. We identified those individuals. I knew Sal Catalano, who was the boss of the Sicilians. I had, I, I had met him on the street uh, with uh, with Sonny and Lefty. Uh, I mean, just just the individuals that I met that were, you know, ranking members of the other mob families was on on real, and and uh, that was a you know that was a big coup. Uh, it was a lot of intelligence. Uh, being able to identify made guys, positions. Uh, I, te I testified in the commission case, laid, laid it out. I testified, well, I, I was in 17 different trials. Uh, we put, you know, we put the Milwaukee family away. We, uh, I mean, it, 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 the Bureau did a hell of a job on that case. Uh, as you guys know, I mean, you, you guys were, were in you were in New York, and it, it it really was the the catalyst for bringing down the the, the mob. Joe, um, in 1989, I got put on a, a a special assignment looking for the murder of the DEA agent uh, Everett Hatcher. Yeah, and it was yeah. by a wannabe, a Jerry Chili wannabe named yeah. Gus Faraci. And I believe I was hearing through the grapevine our folks were talking to you to get his back ran on Chili, his daughter yeah. Babe Chili, whose husband was taken out. He went bye-bye, yeah. as you say. John yeah. Petroselli wound up being killed over that. And then, of course, their own people killed Gus eventually in November yeah, well, later Chili, that year. Chili's, you know, that, that they were fact. Chili was a, uh, his father was a, a, a capo yep. uh, in the Bananos. 
uh, and him and Lefty's son hung out together. And in fact, both of them got whacked. Uh, they tried to, to screw, uh, I, I, I don't know if it was Hispanics, but they 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 were doing a drug deal with, uh, with, with some non-Italians. And uh, they found out that they were getting screwed. And they they whacked uh, they whacked Joey and they whacked uh, uh, Lefty son. Uh, yeah, Farachi. Yeah, they, they, he he was hooked up with the Bananos. Uh, Junior Chili was 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 a capo. Uh, and apparently and in prison, Farachi helped defend Jerry Chili in a in a, in a you know a, a cell fight. So it's just yeah. the opposite. You can't lay hands on a on a made oh, yeah. guy. Here, Farachi defended Chile and, uh, you know, beat up the other guy. And Chile sort of adopted him, much like yeah. Lefty kind of did you for different reasons. And yeah. uh, and that's when they got brought. But, of course, all the heat came down once he killed the DEA agent and all the yeah. rules changed after that. Yeah, everything changed. Uh, and I, I, I remember, I guess, I don't think they knew he was a DEA agent. I think, I think, it, I don't know, you know what spooked him or, or, or what it, they they were sure he was an undercover agent from somewhere. Yeah. But, but I they didn't know, know DEA. Yeah. 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 And it, it you know, it, in, in I'm sure that hit home to you, Joe, when you heard that story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But for the grace the of God. Yeah. You know, the Italian mob, uh, you know, back in the back in that in, in that day, uh, they would do business with blacks, but they wouldn't. They uh, they didn't trust them. They wouldn't become. You know what I mean? I mean, I can remember uh, there were a, a couple uh, guys from Harlem that were running uh, running numbers for the Bananos, and they would come down to the club. You know that to settle up and everything and they, they wouldn't even let him in the club. And I don't care what kind of weather it was, you know, rain, snow, sleet. Uh, they wouldn't let him in the club. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't, you know, yeah, that, that, that uh, you know, and Farachi was a drug user too. So that might oh, have yeah. had a lot to do with it too. He yeah. might've been high, yeah. you know, and got spooked. I, I don't know. But the, yeah, that, that, that was, uh, that was a sad quite the manhunt. Yeah, that was. I remember it. I yeah. remember it. it. Joe, in all the time you were undercover in the with the crime families and the mafia, was there anything that ever surprised you about the people you were working with while you were undercover? Yeah, there were several things, you know, <laughs> and that's what the, uh, a lot you don't see. Well, some of it surprised me. Some of it didn't. You know, like I said, I grew up in a neighborhood, so. Uh, you know, as as a kid growing up in the neighborhood, you can you can go into the social clubs because they knew who you were and everything, uh, and you knew these guys were, you know, you knew they were they weren't legit, they weren't straight, and uh, but w what surprised me was how nonchalant it was about killing anybody. You know, I mean, a guy get a got a contract, you know, to kill his best friend. And he does it, you know, I mean, somebody that he may have grown up with. The guy gets a contract to kill his cousin, a relative. Uh, that 
that kind of you know that kind of surprised me uh, because you know unless you're really into it you know it's a mob hit well i don't you know you're reading the paper well i don't know that that's his cousin you know or right. excuse me i don't know that uh that they grew up together you know they've been friends since they've been five years old i mean <clears throat> tony mira who they who they killed over me his his nephew was one of the shooters wow uh, that's amazing yeah, I mean, his own nephew was one of the shooters. So, yeah, there's just nothing sacred. Yeah, there's nothing and, and, sacred. You know, and and two, what you don't realize uh, again is, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm talking about the guys that I that I hung out, out with, the, you know, uh, the the Italians, you know, and even though they're stone cold killers, you know, the Italian culture they're, they're still close to family you know i yeah. mean guys you know i i met guys wives i met their girlfriends i met their kids uh and i'm thinking to myself man this guy's a stone-ass killer i know he killed you know 17 18 people but around his kid he's like you know he'd do anything for his kid uh uh and and you don't look at him in, in that light you know uh, or when you're at the house, uh, you know, just sitting down, relaxing, you know, with the family and everything, you're thinking, man, this guy, this guy's normal right now, you know? Uh, but then again, he has no problem going out that night and, you know, whacking his best friend. And then, uh, where are we going to go eat tonight? Blood, I mean, blood is not thicker than water, apparently, in the mob. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, well, let me ask you this, Joe. You know, you uh, eventually you get outed, right? The bureau pulls you out, and I, I don't I know if you want. What's that? Before I got made, <laughs> right? Was, and just before you got made, right? I was due, I was due to get made, and they 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 would have let me go through with it because why I had not? A, well, because there there was a shooting war going on. Uh, the side I was with killed killed three to three capos that weren't uh, aligned uh, with them, and uh, I was given a contract to kill one one guy. Uh, so that's the bureau. That's why they shut it down. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you come out, a lot of the guys that you were with that didn't know what you were doing, a lot of those guys got whacked. Yeah, uh, they, they they whacked Sonny Black, they whacked Jilly, they whacked uh, uh, Tony Mira. Uh, lefties on his way to get whacked. The, the bureau picked it up on the on a wire, and the surveillance team snatched him off the street, uh, saved him from getting whacked. Uh, did that bother you? Were you did you feel bad about those guys getting killed because of you? No. Well, it wasn't no. because of Joe. It's no, I know that. I know that. I know the circumstances. Yeah, right. No, and and I think you know, there's a whole, there's a lot of reasons why I think that you know, I was able to maintain that six years is because my whole thing was you know, uh, look, uh, I'm not a social worker. 
Yeah. You know, my job is to gather evidence and put you in jail if I can. Did I want to see anybody get killed? No. Did I make you become a gangster? No. You were a gangster before I got there. You were a gangster during the six years. And you're going to be a gangster when you go to jail and you get out of jail. You know, those guys, that, that's the life, you know. So did I want to see anybody get killed? No. Of course not. Uh, of course. Did I lose sleep over it? No. Because they're out looking to kill me. You know, they had a half a million dollar contract on me. Do you think they would have, you know, lost sleep over killing me? You think that's still active, Joe? Uh, well, it never was rescinded, but I don't think anybody's out every day looking for me, you know. Well, it looks like you're still in disguise, though, with the sunglasses and all, you know? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know who you put this out to. You know, I might have my neighbors, you know. I mean, Yeah, I, I hear you. Where I live, nobody, you know. Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows my Hey, backstory. Joe, I, I, think, I think they're probably more mad now at Sammy the Bull than you. <laughs> yeah. So if, if, if he's going to make it, I think you will, too. I, yeah. You've been very generous with your time. I want to run some things by you at the end. You and I have one little thing in common besides, of course, our FBI background is uh, I worked the Unabomb case. They made a mini series out that about that. It was very popular with my yeah. character as the protagonist. But your movie, uh, you're a movie played by, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Depp portrayed Johnny, you, Al, Al Pacino. Let me upfront questions. What and I could some other podcast would happen with me. But tell me one thing the movie really got right and tell me one thing they really got wrong. Well, it's, it's, they got wrong was, uh, uh, I never slapped my wife. <laughs> I mean, that's a big thing with me. Sure. And, and that wasn't in the original script, you know, uh, that was put in without my knowledge. Uh, I didn't cut that guy's leg off with a hacksaw. You know, you're talking about things that were, you know, Hollywood, they cut that guy up with a with a chainsaw because he was so big. But it, it wasn't me. I never went to. Uh, we never went to see a psychiatrist during the times. Um, I never had three hundred thousand dollars in my attic. That, 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 was, that was Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, they got you know they got the relationship pretty good. Uh, they they. They kept the storyline pretty good, I, and and you know, being involved in in a movie, you know that uh, once once they sign your name, you know that they don't want to see you anymore. I was kind of lucky that I signed with a good, I signed with Barry Levinson, who's a great director. I signed with him and his company, and he kept the script uh, uh, pretty much. Uh, to the truth, you know, and the things that I didn't like, they said, Hey, you know, <clears throat> our job is to put asses in the seats. You know, we're not making a documentary. Uh, so, <clears throat> but it was, it, me it, it was same pretty thing. accurate actually. Yeah. What about that AUSA in the airport? Yeah. That, did you that, really, that, did you really knock him out there? Yeah. 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 Tell me, tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> tell the audience about that. Well, I, I was think it's unbelievable. I was with I was with Sonny Black, and we were down in uh, in Florida, and we we're walking through the airport, and 
this attorney I knew is, is coming the opposite way. We're walking, and he's calling Joe, 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 and uh, <clears throat> I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. So <clears throat> the closer he gets, I just clock him, and he goes down. And I said, come on, Sonny, let's get out of here. And he <laughs> he says, Donnie, what what'd you hit him for? I said, Sonny, didn't you see he was looking at my prick? What do I know? I don't know him. So, huh. no. You can't teach someone that. That that no, is that perfect. is ingrained. Well, that is perfect. growing up in the streets, yeah, quick exactly. thinking on your feet, excellent move. Yeah, yeah absolutely it's an excellent move. So but, was there actually a lion? Was there a real lion? Yeah, we, a lion. we actually did have a lion. Okay. Uh, did you really? See, you know, we weren't feeding them in a car like that scene, but we did have a lion. And what happened was somebody gave him a, a cub. They gave Lefty a cub, and we were keeping it in, in the social club, in, in the motion lounge. But what they forgot was a lot, you know, a cub becomes a lion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, they, uh, uh, Sonny Black's cousin had a warehouse, and so we put it in the warehouse, and then finally they had to get rid of it. Yeah, but yeah, bye bye. We had a line. So, <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us what's like, or what Johnny Depp. I, I'm sure our audience wants to know what's Johnny Depp like, and what's your relationship, and do you still talk to him today. How about out? You know, how about Al Pacino? Yeah, well, both are great guys. Of course, I'm closer to Johnny because I spend I spend a lot of time with Johnny. Uh, before the movie, I spent every day shooting the movie with Johnny. Uh, after the movie was over, I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, <clears throat> I used to go out and, uh, to California and spend time with him at uh, at, at his house. He d he did another movie, and I I, I I worked on that movie with him. And I'm 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 still good friends with him, his sister. Uh, and, uh, uh, he, he's a, he's, he's a good kid. When I say kid, he's not a kid anymore, but he's a good guy. He, he, he was always family oriented, orientated, uh, uh, never, I, I'd never seen him step out of line with anybody, uh, treat, treats everybody on the set with respect, uh, uh, I know uh, a few months after the, well, not a few months, probably a year, a year, little more than a year after the after the movie, after we finished shooting the movie. But I, I was always in touch with him, uh, <clears throat> and like I say, uh, uh, he he calls one day. Uh, my wife had been diagnosed with cancer, and he calls one day, and he. He, he called me Pistola. That's what he called me. And he says, I'm, I'm mad at you. I said, why are you mad at me? He says, you don't tell me that uh, that uh, Ma Maggie has uh, cancer. I said, well, Johnny, you know, he said, well, he said, anything you need or she, she needs, you call me. And I don't care what it is, you call me and I'll get it. You need an airplane to go somewhere for treatment. You got it. I mean, that's 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 the kind that's of guy he is, you know. Yeah, it's a good then, guy. And every yeah. time, every time he would come to New York, he'd call and say, you know, get your family and uh, come over to such and such a hotel for dinner, you know. Uh, 
Then he said, bring your grandkids. My grandkids were young. In fact, my one granddaughter was in a movie, actually. He said, and bring your grandkids, you know, and uh, come over and hang out and we'll, we'll have dinner. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, and like I say, I still... I'm still in contact with him. As uh, a couple months ago, I get a I'm in an airport and I get a phone call, and Pistola, yeah, he said, I'm in Paris, and guess who I'm with? I said, I don't know who you're with. He said it's some insane guy's birthday, and we're in Paris celebrating his birthday. Here, talk to him, and it was Al Pacino. <laughs> celebrate. I mean, they're both great guys. Pacino too. Yeah. Pacino is a great guy to, you know, on set. Uh, I, I, you know, I just love the guy. Uh, uh, I can't say enough about him. Be be honest with you. Yeah. Well, if anyone hasn't watched uh, the movie Donnie Brasco, check it out. I watched it last night. Uh, second time in about uh, uh, 10 or 20 years. And, of course, the, the few books uh, that Joe mentioned uh, in the beginning of the you know, uh, podcast. So it, it, it's uh, funny. Three books, three books. Well, I, I, actually, I got I got several books, but uh, they're the three you want to get. The, and I, I did a book with Joe Bonanno. Oh, called yeah, I read the, that. Called The Good Guys. And it's yeah. it's it's truth and fiction. Uh, and for the audience, Joe Bonanno is the son of, I mean, Bill Bonanno uh, is the son of Joe Bonanno, the boss of the Bonanno family. And Bill, Bill, Bill was a, a made guy, uh, but he, he was a very intelligent guy. He was a college graduate, did time in a can, uh, went straight. Uh, and uh, it turns out that he had the same agent that I did, book agent, uh, Mickey Freiberg and, and Carmen uh, Levia, who both passed, God's read this to rest their souls. And they come up with an idea of doing a book together. And, and we did it. We got along pretty good. He was, you know, uh, like I say, he was a smart guy, college graduate, uh, uh, very well read, very well spoken. Uh, and uh, it's called The Good Guys. It, it's it, it's a novel, but there's a lot of truth in it as as far as. Right. Uh, I haven't read that one yet, Joe. I'll have, yeah. to, I'll have to pick that one up. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me ask you one last question here, Joe, before we kind of wrap here. Um, did the Bureau take care of you? Uh, when uh, and, and I know the Bureau's good. Uh, Jim and I, all three of us, were all part of the same organization. But when everything came down, and there's that $500,000 contract on you, I mean, I know what they should have done, and so does Jim, but I'd like to hear from you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure our audience does too. What'd they do yeah. for you? You know, I, look, if you ask me, I, I, I have to say yes. I mean, I had okay. good people behind me. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Jules Bonavolante. Yeah, yes. sure do. Yeah, well, Jules was at headquarters at the time, you know, and he was in New York. Uh, he was a super uh, uh, in New York, uh, and he was running running the case out of uh, uh, out of headquarters. Uh, so he he looked out after me. Uh, 
the only negative I could say is I had an SAC that that uh, not in New York, it, where my wife was and family actually were living, uh, who gave me a hard time, and the bureau couldn't do anything about it. I mean, you guys know you can't you can't beat an SAC. Uh, yeah, Special agent in charge, the big boss of every division. Yes. Yeah, you know, and you know, <clears throat> at the time, I'm just a you know. A GS thirteen eleven, and you know, <laughs> no matter what you do, you, you they're not going to go against an SAC, right? Uh, and um, uh, but other th- other than that, you know, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, pretty much they did, but that that stuck in my you know that stuck in my craw a little bit that. You know, I just said, well, transfer me out of here, you know? I mean, and, and the whole thing was, you're on my books, but you're not doing me any good. Yeah, in other words, you're you're, you're pleading his budget, and he yeah. don't like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, well, transfer me out of here, you know, or, or have the bureau pick. Because at that time, I'm flying all over the country with uh, trials and everything, and... uh he tried to get me fired a couple times, Jesus. Uh, you know, because I wasn't bringing any stats to him. It didn't make any difference. I was bringing them to the bureau, you know, and I, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, I know. I hear you. Dirty laundry. We all know guys like that. We all. I mean, hey, listen, we've all ran into guys like that, Joe. Yeah. But what I career. would say is that, you know, uh, what a lot of people don't know, uh, I resigned over that. And I had like 17 years in, but I said, look, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm, I'm quitting. And I did. Uh, and then I was out, there was out for like three years, maybe. I'm, uh, I think it was probably three years, but I was still teaching, you know, I was still uh, doing the undercover schools and, and doing uh, organized crime lectures at Quantico. <clears throat> Uh, but then he left, he went to a, became the number two, you know, the number two guy in another agency, you know, when they, they move a guy Mm -hmm. to straighten another agency out. And when he left, I I will say they, they did call me, uh, and say, you want to come back? Uh, but, uh, (laughs) I said, well, yeah, you know, and they said, well, you know, all right, do the do the application. I did it, and they said the only thing is you got to go through all of training school. <laughs> you got to go through twenty two weeks of training, new ages training. And how old would I, you have been at this point? How old? I think I was fifty, maybe forty nine <laughs> or fifty. You know? Jeez. And my one question was, well, what's my salary going to be? And they said, whatever you left, 1311. Mm-hmm. I said, you're going to pay me that. This, you know, and back then, that was a lot of money, right? Yeah. And they said, yeah, you're going to sit in, just sit in class, you know, and listen. And they said, yeah. So I said, well, I mean, you know, you guys know they don't take retreads. You know, it's, it's tough to come back. Uh, they just don't do it. And if they do take you back, once you once you qualify on 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 the range, 
then you know as a retread then they'll send you you know wherever they're going to send you uh they said no you got to do the whole 22 weeks i said all right so i did you know and what's funny was i got i got assigned to wfo and uh bear bryant was the sac a good guy and yeah i know but i was washington field office here in washington dc yeah, but I was terrible. Bryant was not the coach of Alabama. That just was <laughs> right. his was his name. But I mean, he was a good guy. Yeah, terrific guy. And, and uh, I was assigned to Quantico, though I was I was. Uh, yeah, and that's the difference. I was on I was on Bears. What 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 was that? TSA or whatever you know, whatever the hell it was. But but I was, but I was at TSL. I was an instructor at Quantico. And I was in the safeguard program at Quantico, but I was on, you know, Bear was paying my, you know, I mean, it's a difference between individuals, you know. Uh, but well, there's uh, a takeaway in that, Joe. I'm sorry. You know, there's a takeaway in that. There's a, there's a positive out of that. When you graduated from the academy, you never had to pack your bags and move anywhere. You were already home. <laughs> I you was know? already there. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I lived at the academy for like that's a, you know for like six months until I had a house built you know but the, here's the thing <clears throat> I'm out of the academy one week and get guess where I'm on an airplane to Hawaii New York no Hawaii. Hawaii. yeah I had to go there and do a oh you know fits a uh, safeguard assessment oh yeah on, on the undercovers. So it's not a bad deal, right? One week out of the academy, and and they're sending me to Hawaii. You know, that's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. No, no. But you know, everything worked out fine. So, well, I got to say, Joe, this has been amazing. Well, it's flat out amazing, and you're amazing. I Thank appreciate you having me on, guys. I really do. Thanks for everything you've done for the Bureau, for law enforcement. And uh, oh, yeah. I know it can, it continues to this day, directly, indirectly. Um, but we're all learning from, from individuals like you and certainly newer agents and law enforcement folks are too. So, again, uh, thanks I, I, uh, for all thank you've you. done. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Take care, guys. All right, you too. That was great, Ray. And um uh, I know he was great at your uh, university last week, uh, Wilmington University, and uh, he was yeah, great he was. with us tonight. So he uh, was. check out his movies, his books, and you guys will be uh, know even more about uh, uh, Donnie Brasco, a.k.a. Joe Pistone, or is it the other way around? <laughs> on that note, uh, everyone, subscribe to Cold Red uh, Podcast and follow us on all Code Red Podcast social media platforms. We'll see you next week with another special guest. And here's a clue. He's a former rock and roller and a forensic linguist. But I'm going to leave it at that. So uh, stay safe and be aware of your surroundings. And uh, if anyone says they want to take you bye-bye, you may want to think twice. If anybody calls for you, that's another thing when they call for you. And we never got Joe to explain that. But if they call for you, it's not good. So if someone calls for you, unless it's your mother and father, it's probably still not good when they call for you, especially if you're young. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye, Ray. Take care, all.